may be seated. God bless you for being here today. Thank you, Pastor Austin and worship team. What a great worship set this was today. And it means a lot to me personally because as I have prepared this sermon to present to you this morning, a lot of the phrases and words in these worship songs is related to various things that I will be referring to today, and you will see that as we go into, into the sermon. God bless you for being here. I feel honored that Pastor Steve would ask me to present the word today, which he did um, well before he found out about this other development. And so his words were, well, see, God knew what was coming up, and so we got it all worked out before we even knew anything about it. Pastor Steve, uh, if you're watching us this morning, we welcome you and Michelle with us, and uh, we appreciate uh, everyone online with us today and, of course, everyone that's in this service today. I would like to uh, start this sermon by saying that I am an event watcher. And I am a people watcher. As a minister of over 40 years, I declare to you that 2020 is and has been one of the hardest years that I've ever witnessed, culturally, morally, spiritually, and ethically. On a lighter note, I'm reminded of a cartoon picture of the imaginary cartoon Grinch. Anybody know anybody? Uh, not anybody, but uh, you know who I'm talking about. The Grinch, the green ugly character in the cartoons around Christmas time, but the Grinch was holding up a huge green ornament by its ribbon, and he had a sign on that huge green ornament. Maybe some of you saw that uh, cartoon, but that big sign he had on that big green ornament said, 2020, stink, stank, stunk. 2020, stink, stank, stunk. That's not the title of my sermon, by the way. That's just something to get into this thought. But I do believe that we would have to agree somewhat with the Grinch that 2020 hasn't been graced with the aroma of a jolly good year, has it? It's been difficult. But even in the midst of a Grinch type of year, I want to spread some good cheer to you this morning. Instead of leaning on the negative news today, I hope you'll agree with me that we've got a lot to be thankful for this morning. I'd like for you to turn with me, please, to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1 as a starting place for this sermon, verse number 10. 2 Peter 1 verse 10 tells us this. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together to worship you. And now we pray, Lord, that you will cover this sermon with your blood today. Cover this preacher with your blood to deliver this message. And cover this audience, O oh Lord, with your blood and by your spirit. Let the presence of this powerful word flow throughout this audience and touch our hearts and our minds 
and be active in our lives. For we ask it in the name of Jesus. Would everyone please say with me, amen. Amen. This morning we're going to take a look at the title, How to Prove Our Election. How to Prove Our Election with Political Alliances and financial systems and ethical standards all being allowed to just wobble. And we're facing one of the toughest health crises in over 100 years. We're seeing the flimsiness and decay of structures upon which we've based national pride and hope. But there's one solid foundation through it all, and you can count on it, And that's on Christ the solid rock I stand, and all other ground is sinking sand. Someone ought to say amen to that. Hallelujah. Well, in our text today, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. That's the King James Version wording that and using the word election. But this passage of Scripture is not referring to a political process. So I want to be able to clear up a possible misconception about this today. Actually, that word election has the meaning of selection or choice. If God is selecting us, calling us to him, it's you and I being given the opportunity to choose to respond to his calling by repenting of our sins and us deciding to live by the statute of his holy word. So he selects us and draws us to him. And then we select or choose him by responding to his calling and giving our hearts to the Lord. So let's clear that up just a little bit. As a matter of clarity, I'd like to read this from the Amplified Version. And it says it like this. Therefore, believers, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. Be sure that your behavior reflects and confirms your relationship with God. For by doing these things, everybody say these things. By doing these things, actually developing these virtues, everybody say these virtues, you will never stumble. In your spiritual growth, you'll live a life that leads others away from sin. Wow, that's pretty powerful. Be more diligent to make certain about his calling and choice of you. In other words, folks, the Apostle Peter is encouraging us to be sure, to be diligent, to make certain, to be established that we who profess to be Christian, that we will live in a way that proves our selection by the Lord and results in our choosing to respond to Christ. The scripture says, draw near to God and he will, and he will draw near to you. That's talking about how to prove our elections. The title of this sermon today, how to prove our election. So how do we do that? How do we prove our election? Now, you were talking a while ago about uh, uh, these virtues or these things. Now we're going to find out what these virtues and these things really are. Our answer 
to prove our election is right there in that text passage, 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to start reading verse 3. We're going to read several verses here so you can catch the meaning of what Peter is writing about. I call it the election connection. So we start reading at verse 3. For his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Verse 4. Through these, everybody say these, through these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Now, for this reason, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. And to your knowledge, self-control. And to your self-control, perseverance. And to your perseverance, godliness. And to your godliness, brotherly kindness. And to your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing... They do not make you useless or unproductive in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For the one who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. But here it goes right into our text again. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choice of you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. That's your election connection. It's no secret that we as a nation and we in the church world are at a critical crossroad today. Questions and confusion abounds and we ask ourselves, how can we prove that we are who we say we are as Christ followers? How do we prove that? We have to be sure of the text. We must be established in God's Word so that we don't stumble, we don't fall into the confusion that defines our present days. And how do we protect our families from stumbling as well? First, our calling is God's drawing to us, drawing us to salvation in Him alone. We have to understand that our election is God's selecting us or choosing us to be saved. Do you think that you were just walking down the streets of Coweta one day and you just all of a sudden thought, I think I'll just become a Christian? Do you think you were just driving out on a country road somewhere in your pickup truck or on your tractor and just all of a sudden you thought, oh, I think I'll go to Christ. You have to first be drawn by His Spirit. There's a word that we hardly hear much about anymore, and that's called conviction. Holy Spirit conviction, or Holy Ghost conviction, however you want to say it. Conviction, convicted of our sins, where the Lord touches us by His Spirit. That's one of the works of the Holy Spirit. 
to reprove the world of sin. And he speaks to us and he tugs at our hearts and he says, you've been doing this too long. You need to come to Christ. You need to be drawn. You need to come and give your heart. That's the Lord choosing to pull on your heartstrings. And then we have to choose to respond to him by coming and asking his forgiveness for our sins. And when we pray for the Lord to forgive us, that's called repentance. It does not mean you're just going to say, okay, now I'm a Christian. No, it means that when you ask for his forgiveness, you repent, you turn 180, and you begin to walk another direction. Whereas once before you were walking in sin and towards sinful things and towards sinful people, and now you have turned aside and you're saying to those friends, come on with me. I'm going a different way. Jesus Christ has changed my life and He can change your life too. By the power of the blood of Jesus, through what He did on the cross of Calvary, when He shed His blood, His blood now covers your sins. And He saves you. And He makes you a new creature in Christ Jesus. That's enough to make you want to shout just a little bit. Because when you experience that tug... It makes you want to raise a hallelujah. It makes you want to say praise God for what you've done. If there's anybody in the house today that's glad for that tugging on your heart. If there's anybody in the auditorium today that's thankful for that drawing by the Spirit of God. Why don't you raise your hands right now and give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. Give Him praise. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praising God. He deserves our praises today. We've got so much to praise the Lord for. Praising the Lord is a natural response for a genuine Christian. We find reasons to give God praise throughout all the Bible. But today I would like for you to walk back into the Psalms with me for just a few moments. Let's go back to Psalm 75. And in Psalm 75, we will find some reasons for continuing to praise God in 2020. Praise that is based upon the Word of God will keep us from stumbling in the difficult days that we live. So I want to read some verses to you today. I'm thankful that our pastor does this just about every sermon. You think he's going to read one snippet of a little verse and he's going to finish up, and he's going to wrap up everything. But no, 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 no. He's going to read 15,000 verses in the Bible, and we follow right along with him. I love that because it's meat to my soul. You see, this, this sermon this morning, uh, we always like to reach out to uh, unbelievers and folks that do not know Jesus Christ. There's any of you here today that do not know Jesus. I hope that before this service is over, you will have repented of your sins. If you're watching online for the first time, maybe you would like to come to Jesus and repent of your sins. That's wonderful. But I will tell you that this sermon this morning is pointed to you and to you and to you, and to you, and to me, because it, this is a message that will strengthen the saints today. The saints. If you're a saint, say amen. amen. All right. <laughs> Praise God for some saints here. Psalm 75, we're going to start reading at verse 1. It says this. We give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks, for your name is near. 
Men tell of your wonderful deeds. You say, I choose the appointed time. I judge uprightly. When the earth and all its people quake, it is I who hold its pillars firm. Selah, which means pause and think about it. Verse 4, to the arrogant I say, boast no more. And to the wicked, do not lift up your horns. Do not lift up your horns against heaven. Do not speak with outstretched neck. Outstretched neck. We'll talk about that in a moment. No one from the east or the west or from the desert, which is south, can exalt a man. But it is God who judges. He brings one down. He exalts another. In the hand of the Lord is a cup full of foaming wine mixed with spices. He pours it out. And all the wicked of the earth drink it down to its very dregs. Verse 9, as for me, the psalmist says, I will declare this forever. I will sing praise to the God of Jacob. Verse 10, I will cut off the horns of all the wicked, but the horns of the righteous will be lifted up. Bless the name of the Lord. So in this passage, there are reasons for praising God in our relationship with Him. I want to cover a few of those reasons with you and build up your praise faith. Number one, we praise God for our present mercies. Present mercies. We give thanks for your name presently is near and for your wonderful deeds and works. I want you to just thank for what God has helped you through just this past week. Just this past week, he's been with you presently. Present mercies. For today, we give him praise. For today, we praise the Lord. His mercies are new every morning. I, I pray this every morning in my beginning prayers for the day. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness unto us. Here's a second reason to praise God. It's because he will judge this earth in His sovereignty and in His time. He's not nervous about COVID-19. He's not nervous about political divisions or roller coaster economy or impending wars. There, listen, there will be no confusion, no secrets, no cheating, no deception, no lying will get by the supreme justice of heaven. He will judge uprightly when the proper time comes. You worry about this. You worry about when that's going to happen. You worry about when they're going to get their dues. and You worry about who's going to be exalted and what. Don't worry about it. Let God take care of it because he'll judge in the proper time. That's another reason to praise him. Here's another reason to praise God today is to know that he will rebuke the proud. Verses 4 and 5 declare, do not lift your horns against heaven. In this passage, lifting up a horn is related to arrogant boasting, wicked pride. The horn was a symbol of power. And when the enemy comes against us, he, he boasts of his power. Just, just remember the devil may be large, but he's not in charge. 
God's in charge, amen. He comes, the devil comes to oppress by abusing his power. He influences people to have a stiff neck. That goes back to that little verse that says about an outstretched neck. Don't lift your horn up with an outstretched neck. Stiff neck. You ever heard that phrase? Lord God was speaking to them, but they had a stiff neck. That simply meant that they were boasting themselves and being arrogant against not giving to the Lord. But when the world is shaking, when everything seems to be falling apart, remember that God bears up the pillars of truth throughout the earth. He will always substantiate His pillars throughout the earth. And when we worship Jesus as the King, when we praise His name, He will fill our hearts with joy because He made us citizens of that heavenly city. We are citizens of His heavenly kingdom. Oh yeah, I presently have an address in Coweta, Oklahoma. But my address is going to change one of these days pretty soon. And it's going to be the new Jerusalem. Oh, how I want to be ready to go, don't you? So we praise Him because we know He'll rebuke the proud. Here's another reason we continue to praise the Lord because Jesus will show His authority. He's been given sufficient warning. He has given sufficient warning for us to abandon our idols and worship Him, the true God. America has been warned with harbingers of coming destruction. We have abused our power through the decisions of abortion and persecution of the righteous and the lack of godly respect and self-exaltation. And all of these things will be brought into account. These blow-hard horns that flaunt their pride will come to an end one of these days by the authority of Jesus Christ. For one day... Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father and you can praise Him for it. Jesus Christ is going to be exalted and His authority will reign over all things and all people for every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Hallelujah. Here's another reason to praise God is that He will punish the wicked. Not only will Christ take authority over the wicked, he will punish them for what they have done to the innocent. In verses 7 and 8, Scripture says that God is the sovereign judge. And the cup that's in His hand is a depiction of judgment. And it will be poured out on all the wicked. That's done in His sovereignty. And you can praise Him for His sovereignty. Oh, but somebody needs to counsel God. Somebody needs to help Him. Somebody needs to talk with God to, to help Him to know how to formulate everything and how to take care of all these things that are going on in the world. Listen, nobody needs to tell God anything. Nobody needs to counsel on Him how to be God. He is God all by Himself. Hallelujah. Verse 9. The psalmist praised God and 
sang praises to the God of Jacob. Did you know that the act of singing praises to God shows that the singer has joy? I've watched over the years and I can discern a joyless church if there's no singing. Doesn't matter if you can carry a tune because if you can praise God, you will burst out in song. Why don't you turn to somebody near you there? It might not be right next to you, but a few feet away. But just turn to somebody and tell them this. Don't ever lose your song. Tell them that right now. Don't ever lose your song. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. A song should be in our hearts if we know Jesus Christ. We praise Him. Finally, we praise the Lord because God will raise up the righteous. Verse 10 in that uh, New Living Translation says it like this, For God says, I will break the strength of the wicked, but I will increase the power of the godly. All the power and influence of the wicked will be cut off, and God Himself will raise the victory of the righteous. God is loving, but God is powerful, and God is holy, and God is righteous. And He won't forget His people who make their election of God, who respond to His call on their lives. People that, re- that make a choice to serve Him will be made a surety in our relationship with God. And when we go from the Old Testament to the New Testament for our text, we go right in the middle of those verses to Luke chapter 1, and we hear what John the Baptist's father. Everybody remember John the Baptist? You remember John the Baptist had a father? (laughs) You know he did have a father and a mother. His father's name was Zechariah. And the Holy Spirit came upon him when John was born as a baby. And he gave this prophecy as he talked about Jesus coming and John supporting Jesus. And here's what he said in verses 68 and 69 of that first chapter of Luke. Zechariah said, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. There's that word again, horn of salvation. It means strength of salvation. It means the power of salvation. And it's all referring to the Lord Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son. Jesus came to earth to save you and to save me from Satan's power through the shed blood of Calvary's cross. He calls us to salvation out of sin. He establishes our choice to serve Him. Jesus Christ is the only one who can save our soul from sin. Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. He's the only way 
to heaven. Listen carefully what I'm about to say. He's the only one who can take us to heaven. He's the only way to heaven. He's the only way that can turn mourning to dancing. He's the only way who can take beauty and turn them into ashes. He's the only, excuse me, he'd take ashes and turn them into beauty. Got that backwards. He's the only way that can turn shame into glory. He's the only one who can. He's the only one who can turn graves into gardens. He's the only one who can turn bones into armies. He's the only one who can turn seas into highways. He's the only one who can. So even in the stink, stank, stunk of the events in 2020, we've got a lot to praise God for. We've got a lot to praise God for. I'm going to ask you to help me close in prayer. Instead of repeating the sinner's prayer, I'm going to ask you to repeat a Christian prayer. I'd like for you to stand with me, please, and be ready to repeat after me. Everybody in this building that would like to have the election connection in your life. You want to grow in the Lord in the knowledge of those things we read about. And you want to give praise for that. I want you to repeat after me. Would you just raise your hand and close your eyes and repeat after me right now? Father in heaven, help me to add to my faith virtue, to my virtue knowledge, to my knowledge self-control, to my self-control, perseverance, to my perseverance, godliness, to my godliness, brotherly kindness, and to my brotherly kindness, love. In doing so, I prove my election in Christ. Amen.